is good to know that the Lord receives us as we are. Now, He doesn't leave us as we are, but He receives us. And I'm thankful for that. This has been an interesting week because um, in terms of Bible school, it's just been a high. It's been a joy. It's just been awesome. I mean, will you overuse that word? If Hannah were here, she would say it was fantastic. And it was. Uh, it was a great week. But then that was tempered somewhat uh, by the news that came to, to all of us. And let me just say this morning, I'm not going to preach about that specifically, but um, I feel like our nation today is reeling like a drunk man, a drunk person. And we're being blown every which direction, every way the wind is coming and it's just blowing us and moving us. And may I just say to you as Christians, this must not be. It cannot be. We must be anchored to the rock of Christ Jesus. No matter what anyone else does, says, thinks, doesn't matter. None of that matters. We are Christians. If you've been born again, if you're saved, if you're washed by the blood of the Lamb, we, we together can say this morning, we are followers of Jesus Christ. And we're going to follow Him. And we are citizens, yes, of this nation, but we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom that is far greater, far more important, and it is to where our true allegiance lies. And if there's ever a question with those two, may God give me the grace I need, but I will, I will seek to do my best to follow Christ. So, we do not leave the truth of God's Word. If the latest opinion polls say it's unpopular, it doesn't matter. We stand upon the Word of God. It's all we have. We stand for Christ. We stand as Christians who have been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And so we are called now to, to something that is far greater than, than we ourselves. And so I want to invite you this morning to look with me in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. And, you know, I think we're going we're gonna to be feeling the effects of this week. And I'm speaking primarily of the Supreme Court decision uh, that has made gay marriage, the law of the land. And uh, so, you know, we're going to be dealing with that. It's just, you know, we're going to be dealing with that. And uh, But this morning, I want us to focus on what are we here for. We're going to make a little detour from our study through James. We're going to turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We saw the first two verses of this passage uh, earlier, and we're going to... Uh, we're going to read through the first five verses uh, this morning. And so we want to focus in here. And we want to, we want to know 
and understand you know, absolutely what am I called to do as a Christian? What is my calling in life? What am I here for? What has God saved me for? And you know, some may feel like, well, you know, I, I'm in church this morning. And that must be what God saved me for. Well, that's a part of it. It's a part of being a body of believers. Man, that's awesome and it's important. We saw that this week. We saw this body of believers coming together and ministering to little babies in the nursery all the way up to, you know, the oldest kids in our, in our Bible school. And, uh, I saw examples of God's grace and God's uh, peace and God's power at work in the lives of teachers and helpers and workers and and just dealing with children, some of whom were just being children. And they have needs. And uh, by the way, uh, I'll pass this along to you as a prayer request. I saw yesterday evening on Facebook that uh, Laura Schmidt's little boy Dalton that we had here this week fell yesterday and broke uh, both bones and one arm, and uh, so uh, be in prayer for Dalton and for that family. And uh, <clears throat> but I, I saw the family of God coming together and working. And some of you, you know, weren't even here. You know, you weren't physically present in the room or or here at the church when we were doing it. But some of you had been here working before. Some of you were, were praying. Some of you had invited kids. Some of you, you know, encouraged another way. Some of you had given money. Some of you, you know, and, and the whole body of Christ was focused on, on the, the work that God had given us this past week. And man, it was a blessing. I want to say thank you. We had, you know, I, obviously it's hard to evaluate and it's hard to judge. We had one of the best groups of workers that we've ever had, I believe. I mean, you know, I can't say, well, 1995, that was, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I can't say that. My mind just doesn't work that well. But um, it was an awesome, awesome time, and I praise God for it. But I want us to see this morning what the Word gives us uh, that we're to be about, we're to be doing. So let's look together. Chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 1. If you found your place and you're able, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. And of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Lord, we ask today that you would lift up and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our minds. We pray that he might truly be the fullness that fills all today in our hearts and our minds. God, that you would provide everything that's needed within us today. 
Lord, we come to You as we are. We come weak and needy. We come bruised. We come hurting. God, we come not understanding. And Lord, we pray today that You would exalt the name and the person of Jesus in our hearts and our lives. You would meet us where we are. You would touch us. And God, that You would change us. Lord, help us to hear Your voice. Help us to know You. And help us to love You with all our hearts. And I thank You for every person in this room today. God, Bless each one. Bless each family. And Lord, we just ask this together in the precious, mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Well, the word here that the King James translates follower is an interesting word. In the Greek, it is mimetes. Mimetes. And is the word from which we get the word mimic. Mimic. Which means what? All right, imitate is one word. I'm here. I'm here. I'm getting a, you know, and then I'm getting imitate here. Okay, I'll, we'll go with imitate. That's a good one. mimic. If you mimic someone, you are imitating them. And uh, I can't remember the guy we used to watch when I was growing up as a kid who did uh, imitations of people. You know, Richard Nixon and all these different people. Rich Little, yeah. And I love to watch the guy because he could do all these voices, John Wayne and all these people, you know. And people are looking at me going like, who's Richard Nixon? Who's what John Wayne? <laughs> well, back in my day, let me tell you. But they're imitating. Well, what the Bible tells us that we are to do that we are rather, let's refine that, let's, let's fix that a little bit, because that, I, what I said needs fixing. Notice the first word of our uh, first verse there. What does it say? First word, all together. Good, good. You did that so well. We're making progress. B. And you know, so many times I think as Christians, we're focused on doing. As Christians, we're folk, well, if I just do this, if I do this, if I work in Bible school, if I go on the mission trip, if I go to camp, if I, um, you know, if I'm in church, if I read my Bible, if I pray, if I go on outreach, if I do this, if I do and do and do and do, it's going to be enough and God's going to be pleased and God's going to be happy with me. And there is a fatal flaw in that idea. And I'm not discouraging you from doing, okay? I think you know me well enough to know I'm not telling you we're not to be about the work of, of the kingdom. We are. But the first order of business is be. We are to be something, not just to do something. We're to be something. Because we can, we can have a lot of activity. We can have a lot of busyness. I don't know, you know, if you, you know pick up on this, but I pick up on it occasionally. Um, Wednesday night, I came home from our family night and we cleaned up and we packed up the inflatables and we did all this stuff and I got home and was literally soaked with sweat. It was so hot. And I was amazed at those parents who patiently stood while their kids bounced and played and had a great time, but those parents were over there you know, and there was no air. And there, you know, but we, I got home and I laid down and I thought, oh, so tired. 
so tired. Well, I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but our church, not all the time, not constant, but our church is busy. We've got a lot of things that happen, a lot of things going on. And it's a good thing. Mostly. Now, But activity is not a substitute for the presence of God and for the work of God in our hearts and in our lives. And if you're not what you ought to be, how can you do anything that's going to be pleasing to God? And I want to suggest to you, this is where we start. It's in that B word. It's about being somebody. And you say, well, how do you do that? How do you just be? Well, first of all, you you answer God's call when He speaks to your heart and He says you need to be saved. That's the first step to being what God wants you to be. You answer His call when He speaks to your heart and He says you're lost. You're lost and your, your, your sins are, are always before Me. And, and every day as I look at you, He's saying to you, every day as I look at you, what do I see? I see your sin. And I can never bless. I can never work in your life. I can never be what you need until you deal with this issue and you come to me and you allow me to change you from the inside out. You see, a lot of our focus is from the outside in. Well, if I just do this and I do this and I do this, I think that'll, that'll you know, it'll kind of work its way in. And that simply won't happen. It does not work that way. The change that God requires begins inside of a man, inside of a woman, inside of a boy or girl. It happens inside of us and it works its way out. And it's awesome. It's amazing when you see it. Because it's the grace of God in action and it's, it's powerful. But then from... From that moment forward, we're, we become a child of God. When we receive the grace of God, we receive Christ as our Savior, and we, we put our faith and our trust in Him, we turn from our sins and we turn to Him, and we trust in Him. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God comes. And the Spirit of God does this amazing work within us where He saves us, He washes us, and He makes us clean. He forgives all of our sins. That's one of the things I loved uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say. To be a Christian means that all of your sins are forgiven. All of your sins. Well, that's awesome. That's amazing. But we're called to be. And so God's going to be working on you. Once you get saved, God's going to be working on you. He's going to be drawing you and leading you and teaching you and showing you and helping you to learn and and grasp new things and begin to obey the things that you know. Well, I want to encourage you. Be. This is about embracing the fact if you're a child of God, then God has done something really special in your life. And now you have an opportunity to grow in that and, and to, to become everything God has for you. Well, notice what he says here. Be ye therefore followers of God. We, we already mentioned that word follower is imitator. Be imitators of God. Just act like God. 
What's so hard about that? Okay, it's, uh, it's impossible. I mean, number one, how do you even know God? How can you even figure out what God does or how He is or you know, what He thinks or anything except we do have this Word of God. We have this Bible. We have this book. And if you're, if you're going to be what God wants you to be, it's going to be in part because you're in the book. You are in the Bible. And you're going to have to be there every day. Okay? It can't happen on Sundays only. Okay? Sunday ought to be a good day. That ought to be a day when we come together and we hear from God and we worship and we praise and we fellowship and it's awesome, it's good. But we need to be in the Word of God every single day of our life. We've been talking about meals for our mission trip. And I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but meals, that's something that's near and dear to my heart. Well, pretty close anyway. Uh, and so we've been talking about meals. We're planning, you know, our meals, Brother Wayne, because, you know, as you well know, it, it requires some planning. We're planning for our group, probably 14, 15 people maybe, and then Chris's group. Uh, may, might have another, you know, 12, 15, I don't know how many they're going to have, but, um, you know, we're going to be putting our meals together. And, and so, you know, I'm very tuned into that. And actually, Caleb was also very tuned in when we were discussing this. And he was quite, you know, concerned that we, you know, we get this right. And uh, I think most of us are pretty particular about eating. I mean, we, we see these little babies. When they get hungry, what happens? Wah! I mean, they're going to tell the world until they get fed. And some of us haven't changed a whole lot from that, but um, the point is, man, we take pains to make sure we eat. Three meals a day, plus a couple of snacks, plus, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but we're, you know, we're pretty tuned into that, around my house at least. Maybe at your house, food's no big deal. But folks, if we're tuned into our physical bodies like that, do we not also need to be tuned into our spiritual side, to our spirit and our soul? That we need to be feeding the Word of God? How are we going to be? How are we going to follow Him? How are we going to imitate Him? How are we going to mimic God? If we're not in the Word, I'm going to tell you, it really is not going to happen. And I guess the, the one thing I can say that, that you will get is that as you're around God's people, there's another source from which you can... You can glean information and learning. You can, you can gain some things just from being around the people of God. So, <clears throat> the Word of God, the people of God, but be, be ye therefore followers, imitators, mimics. We're to, we're to do the things that, that, that God does. And apart from Jesus, I would be absolutely giving up at this point. But the good thing is that, that God, who spoke to us, Hebrews 1 says, through the prophets in ages past, now has spoken to us through His Son. 
who is the express image of God. God has revealed Himself by sending His Son, Jesus. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I think we would be clueless about how to imitate God. We wouldn't, I mean, we wouldn't hardly know how to, how to start, where to start. But we're to be imitators. And so, you know, it's fun because when you see this, it says, uh, Be therefore followers, imitators of God as dear children. As the word is beloved. As beloved children. And I realize we, you know, we don't, may not like to be called children. Although some of us are becoming more childlike. I've noticed. Well, we're, we're to... Have you ever watched a little child, maybe a little boy, following his dad? I mean, just I mean, literally trying to do everything that his dad does. I mean, it's just kind of natural to us. We, we look up to our, our mom and dad. We look up to our parents and, and we want to be like them. I mean, you know, we're talking this age. We get up to this age... Eh, and then, you know, on up to here. Eventually, it comes back around. But, uh, you know, we see those little children and they, they will do everything. Sometimes, even wrong things. Where'd they pick up that word? Where'd they hear that? Well, uh... <clears throat> and there's, there's nothing scarier I mean, it's just unreal. When you look at your kids and you see and hear yourself and you think, oh, what's happened here? This is terrible. Well, sometimes it is. Not all the time. Kids love to follow after their dad. Dearly loved children. Folks, when you get saved, God wants to have this living, wonderful, warm relationship with you where you follow after Him and you seek to do what He does. And when you see it in the Word, when you hear the the stories and you see what Jesus did and how He met people, how He talked to people, how He loved people, you begin to pick up on this. But we're to be imitators of God. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 5. He said, be, there's that word again, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. No problem. Just be perfect. Just do everything right, Josh. We've got no problems. Come on, man. What's so hard about that? Okay. Well, obviously, we're not going to get everything right. We're never going to do everything. But... The idea here is that we grow and we develop and we become stronger and we become mature over time. Because God builds things in us. God puts things in us. So, uh, that's our standard. That's our goal. That's our aim. I'm going to tell you something. Part of what we're seeing today in our society, part of what we're seeing is a backlash against the way some of us as Christians have lived our lives. Part of what we're seeing is, is, is a turning away from what people have seen in churches and in religion and, 
and in people who claim to know Christ and who, you know, whether they do or not. And folks, we're called, we're called to be the followers of God. We're, we're called to follow Him, to imitate Him, to do the things He does. And another passage Jesus said, Luke 6.36, He said, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. We're to imitate Him. We're to do what He does. I mean, Jesus loved people. He loved little children. You know, he blessed the children. Sometimes the disciples were like, hey, get those kids out of here. We got, you know, there's too many people. This is crazy. And Jesus stopped them and said, no, let the little children come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. He loved them. We're called to love little children. That's part of imitating God. Now, I'll just be honest with you. When I meet people who don't like children, I mean, who really seriously don't like children, I kind of look at them funny. I mean, I think we ought to love. I think that's part of being like God. And then, in the previous chapter, Ephesians 4, verse 32, look at that. He says, And be be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We're to be like God. We're to imitate God. What has God done? He's forgiven us through Jesus Christ. What has God done? He sent His Son to the cross to die for our sins. He paid the price. And 1 John 3.16 says that we are called to lay down our lives for the brothers. We're to be like God. Now, there's no additional sacrifice needed to save people from their sins. Christ has done everything. But we're called to lay down our lives. You see, that's what people did this week. They laid down their lives and they came and they hugged and loved and, and worked with little children and, and taught them and, and you know, played games with them and, and fed them and, and got on to them a few times and you know, all these things. They're laying down their life. That's why some folks are be going to Memphis next week. Because they believe that God has called us to take the gospel into all the world. And, and folks, uh, we're told to, to, to proclaim the gospel in Jerusalem, which is a branch in this immediate area, and in Judea, which is the surrounding area. And then into Samaria, which begins to cross the cultural barriers and the, the racial barriers and, and get, get us into to further away places that are, that are more difficult in a way. But that's Memphis. That's, that's the places that we've, we've been called to. Well, we're to live our lives in the way that Christ lived His. Notice verse 2. He says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us. Walk in love. You know, I think part of the problem today is that we've lost the ability to be who we are, to be genuine, to be authentic, to be true to the Word of God, but yet still be loving, still be gracious, still be kind to those who oppose us, those who, who don't believe like we believe. And we're called to that. I mean, we can put them down. We can get into an argument with them on Facebook. We can, uh, we can fuss and, and fight and bicker. But folks, that's not going to win anybody to Jesus. We need to love them. No, we don't accept their sin or their interpretations of things, but, but we want to love them the best we can. And through the presence of God in our life, we can love them. 
Walk in love as Christ also has loved us. How did He love us? Well, the Bible says He loved us when we were still in our sins. We were still messed up. We were still the enemies of God. When those guys were nailing His hands and His feet to the cross, He was saying, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. That's how we're called to love. Well, I don't know, preacher. I don't know if I got that kind of love. If you've got the presence of God in you, you do. You do. You just got to choose on a daily basis to die to self and allow Him to live in you and through you. And you can do this. Yeah, but you don't understand why those guys are at work and you don't know how. Oh, I know. It can be tough, it can be a challenge, it can be hard. But folks, you are the only Bible that some of those people are ever going to read. Your life is the only reflection of Christ that some of those people will ever see. And what are they going to glean from it? What are they going to take away from your life? What are they going to take away from being around you and seeing you and hearing you? Are they going to be drawn to our Savior? Well, I hope so. I hope that that's what they walk away with. But, but folks, we've, we've got to understand. We've got to walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given Himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice. He gave Himself as an offering and a sacrifice. He gave Himself for you. He died on the cross to pay for your sin debt. And the Bible says when He did that it created a, a wonderful... Uh, sweet-smelling savor. And that goes back to the Old Testament, to the sacrifices, the burnt offerings that were offered to God. And the Bible says that that smell arose to God. And it wasn't the, the charred flesh on the altar that God was responding to. It wasn't the, the, the death of an animal. It was the fact that people were coming to Him by faith. And they were coming in the way that He had said, that without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins. And folks, there's no remission for us. There's no forgiveness today apart from Jesus Christ. But Christ has done all. He is, a, he is a, an offering and a sacrifice to God. And that's exactly what our lives are to be. Our lives are to be a sweet-smelling savor to God. I mean, our lives are to be filled with the kind of sacrificial love that Jesus demonstrated. And when they are... God is pleased. And ultimately, that's really all that matters. But I really believe when, you, when your life is lining up with what Jesus did, how He gave Himself, He poured out His life, He gave Himself for us, and we do that for others, man, I believe they're going to be drawn to Christ too. I believe they're going to be touched by that. Well, we're to imitate Him. We're to follow Him. We're to, we're to mimic Him. We must become like Him. You know, Romans 8 says that, we are, that God's goal for us is that we would be conformed to the very image of His Son. That every day when people look at Jared or Billy or Misty or, or Seth, every day that as people look at us, they wouldn't see us. They would see the image of Jesus Christ in us. They would see the presence of God in us. Folks, that's our goal. 
Some of you are saying, man, preacher, I'm a long way from that. I'm a long, long way. I think we could all say that. We're none of us where we need to be. But if you're saved, thank God you're not where you used to be either. Look at the distance you've come. We were practicing uh, basketball with a little team one, one time, and, and they made some progress. They got better. And I told man, you guys have come a thousand miles. Y'all have done so good. I said, now you've got a million miles more to go. Maybe I shouldn't have, Dusty, but you know. Well, all right. And, and then notice one more thing here that is, is very important. Uh, he begins to, to live out and to, and to apply how this is going to not look in our life. Some of the things that we're not to do. Notice verse 3. But fornication, and that's all forms of sexual immorality. Okay? Just pretty much any kind of sexual immorality. I mean, it can be gay, it can be straight, it can be bent, it can be crooked, it can be twisted. Whatever kinds of sexual immorality you want to talk about, it's right here. Okay? We're not zeroing in on one person or any group. It's God is an equal opportunity offender with the gospel. Okay? He offends us all. And we need it. We all need it. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh what? Saints? What's that about? I mean, I heard the other day somebody said, well, he's no saint. I can tell you that. Well, we throw that word around a lot, religiously and, and otherwise. But here's what the Bible says about us as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says if you've been saved, if you've been born again, then you are a saint. Now, I remember a few years back when the, when the New Orleans Saints were so bad that the fans wore paper bags over their heads to the games and they called them the Aints instead of the Saints. But look, you're not an Aint. You're a Saint if the Spirit of God lives within you. If you're saved, you're a Saint. And that word uh, Saint there, it means Holy One. And it doesn't mean that it's not about you so much as it's about the presence of God in you. It's about what God has done in your life. It's about the fact that Christ has saved you, cleaned you up, forgiven your sin, and now the Holy Spirit of God has taken up residence inside of you. Lives in you. Are you a saint? Well, if you're, if you're saved, you are. You may not act like a saint all the time. But that's what the Bible calls us. So it's not some person that you know we elevate, we elevate to sainthood. No, no, no. It's every believer in Jesus. Well, so he says though these things are not to be a part of our lives. I read this week the story of a of a pastor in Florida, a mega church, another mega church pastor, got off into. Uh, an adulterous relationship, disgraced the ministry, disgraced his family, disgraced uh, the church, you know, everything. Disgraced Jesus. And uh, it was Billy Graham's grandson. Do 
These kinds of things are not even to be mentioned in our lives. It's, it's not even some, let it not even be named among you. You are not just called a saint, but you are to be holy. The Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. And that's what we're called to. And yes, it is difficult because we have this sin nature within us that wants our flesh, wants the things we want. And we live in a culture that is absolutely decadent. And it is depraved beyond imagination. And if you're walking with the culture, I'm going to promise you, you're going to struggle with these things. And if Facebook offends you, cut off your Facebook. Isn't that what Jesus said? Well, He said your, your eye. Pull your eye out. Gouge your eye out. If your hand offends you, cut your hand off. But folks, if you live in, a, in an evil uh, world that's full of people who are fighting against God, don't expect that you're going to be able to live alongside of that and in that and just take that on and, and listen to it and watch it and, and receive it all and it's going to have no impact on you. It will have an incredible impact on you that you won't even realize. But you'll come to church and you'll be dissatisfied and you'll be unhappy and you'll wish that it was over and you'll be uh, you know, upset that that preacher is still up there. Oh, surely not in our church, Brother Tim. Surely not. Oh, yeah. Every church, no different. I used to do it myself. When Dusty... Oh, I mean, just kidding. Just kidding, Dusty. A little humor there. All right. We're just about done. We're Seriously, we're just about done. So, we're, we're called to be holy. Look at verse 4. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting. And filthiness refers to dirty stories, suggestive jokes with a sexual coloring, all forms of obscenity and decency. The, the foolish talking there is, is empty conversation that is worthy of a moron, is what one writer said. But it may also include gutter language. Coarse jesting is jokes or talks with unsavory meanings. It's basically talk that's glorifying sin. It's, it's words that are, that are glorifying sin. And, and the Bible says, Paul says here, that that's not to be a part of our lives. Don't allow these things. But instead, he says, but rather giving of thanks. I read the story of one man that preacher who had a friend, they'd go play golf sometimes, and occasionally they'd be joined by other people, and sometimes the lost men would come and play with them. And they said one of the men you know, was playing golf, and of course golf has a way of bringing out uh, whatever is inside of you, and uh, as most sports do, but uh, that one is particularly challenging in ways. And, and so this guy got mad because you know, he was playing awful, and, and he was cursing his clubs and cursing the course and cursing everything, and and just going on, taking God's name and, and inviting God to curse everything. And, and uh, so the preacher's buddy, he said, he just started, well, thank you, Lord. Praise God. He just started thanking. And the guy was like, what, what, are, you talk, what are you saying? He said, well, the Bible tells us that we're to be thankful. 
shut the guy up. Look, instead of all these things, and it doesn't mean you can't have fun. It can't mean it doesn't mean you can't enjoy good, clean, you know, humor. If you find any. But we're, we're, to, we're to live our lives by a different standard. We're not called to be PG-13. We're called to be holy. We're called to be holy. Is your life holy? Is your life holy? If you stood before the presence of Almighty God in this moment and He examined you, He looked at your life, He looked at your thoughts, He looked at everything you say, everything you do, everything you think about, Everything you look at, everything. Are you holy? Is your life holy? Because that's what we're called to. And that is what this lost world that we live in needs. They need to see people, not perfect people, but they need to see genuine people. People who are genuine in their faith and genuine in their love. And when they mess up, they're not ashamed to say, look, I'm sorry, I blew it. I was wrong. And people will know. If you're blowing smoke or if you're for real, if you're genuine, they'll know it. But that's what this world needs, is people who are followers of God. Not just mimicking, but following from the heart the things that God has given us. Now, we close with a very stern word here. Verse 5, For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And the Bible's just telling us straight up. Straight up. And he's saying, a person who lives like that, who's sexually immoral, he has no part in the kingdom of God. You say, well, what about? Do Christians sin? Yes, they do sin. Well, can we be forgiven? Are we still saved? Yes, you're still saved. But anyone who lives in that pattern, I think you need to be looking up, checking out your heart, finding out if you're truly born again or not. Because if you can continue in that pattern, you can continue living in a pattern of habitual sin. That is not what God saved you for. He's called you to something so much higher, so much greater. And so, you know, as we think about this, we need to know. Um, and I'll close with these verses. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Speaking of homosexuality. But it's not limiting to that. It's all kinds of sexually immoral acts. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, it gives us a whole list and we look at that and think, ooh, Wow. But then listen to what Paul said when he wrote to the church at Corinth, one of the most corrupt societies on the face of the earth. 
And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And so today we can say the same thing with Paul. And such were some of you. Such was I. But thank God He saved me from that. He forgave me. And folks, you don't come as you'd like to be or as you would hope to be. You come as you are. I want to encourage you this morning to come as you are. As a Christian, broken by the fact that your life is not holy. But God has called us to holiness. As a, as a person maybe who doesn't even have a relationship with Christ, I invite you this morning to come to Jesus as you are. You're not too far. You can come to Him. And He will save you. Let's bow our heads. Father, in this moment, we know, Lord, that what You've done in our lives is almost unfathomable, Lord. We, we can't even begin to grasp all that You've done. Father, I pray this morning for every person in this room. I pray You'd give us the ability to focus in this moment. And I pray, Father, that You'd speak to our hearts. And Lord, if there's sin in our lives, God, as Christians, as believers, Father, would You help us to turn to You? Would You help us to confess it to You and to forsake it? Lord, would You change us? Would You turn us around? God, help us to be holy. Lord, too often we're far from it. Lord, forgive us for unkind words and impure thoughts and and all kinds of things that are evil that's run through our mind, our, our actions this week. Oh God, convict us now and help us to turn those over to You. And Father, if there's someone here today who doesn't have a relationship with You or, or maybe they're not sure, I pray You'd help them to make sure. Lord, I pray You'd help them to settle that once and for all today. And I pray that You'd give them grace to, to come, to, to seek help, to do whatever they need to do to settle that question. And Father, we pray that You'll meet with us in this moment. Speak to our hearts.